Sunday, January 28th, 
2024. And today's episode 100. There's a milestone for you. So I would like to first off thank everybody who has helped to make this radio show um, doable. And that is RBN. That is Republic Broadcasting Network. That is Sam, who is the guy who makes sure this show is, I don't know, you're all able to hear it, the producer. And Sam does a great job of producing this show and getting the word out to everybody at a level they can understand because Roger tends to raise his voice. And if it wasn't for Sam, I'd probably be overdriving his equipment on a regular basis. But let's wind our way through our routine opening. And I have a very special guest to bring in today. TLB Talk Radio is sponsored by TLB Project's newest project, and that is the social media website, tlbtalk.com. Come and join us and say what needs to be said. And as usual, before I get started, I not only want to thank RBN, I want to ask you to donate to RBN. And also, um, I do have another show called Eagles Eye Report. That's been week Wednesday, about 3 o'clock um, and that would be, yeah, 3 o'clock, um, 3 to 4 p.m. I don't even, I drew a blank there for a second. And that's on Thursdays. That's Central Time. And that is Eagles Eye Report. And that is on um, Annie's Network. So, again, between these two networks and the Liberty Beacon Project and TLB Talk, we have a platform where we can get a word out to you on a regular basis. So, today we're going to continue that. But what I want to ask you to do, and I ask you this every week, please consider it. Please take this seriously. Donate to these platforms. Donate to RBN in order to keep them up and running, in order to keep them giving you the truth, giving you news that nobody else is going to give you or very few others are going to give you. The value of RBN is phenomenal. So do me a favor. If you're the person who donates $30 here, and you hear me say this every week, $60 there, $40 there. Just do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Do RBN a favor, okay? Figure out, average what you give to the platform over the course of a year, divide it by 12, and the next time you go in there, take that number if it's $10, $12, $7, $8, doesn't matter. Put it in there and click the button that says make this a monthly recurring donation. Now, why would Roger say that? And say, well, you don't have to really give any more. I strongly suggest you do if you can, but you don't have to. But why am I asking you to split it up like that? You're going to give it anyway, right? Yes, but they don't know when you're going to give it. If you do it in this fashion, you're not giving any more than you usually do, but you're giving it to them in a fashion they can use to add to their budget. They're going to know that every single month you're going to send the same amount. And if enough of you do that, they have built a budget to give you bigger, better, better, faster. So, again, Roger's not asking you to give more than what you already do unless you can, then please do. What Roger's asking you to do is give it to them in a fashion where they can use it to give you even better than what you're already seeing, which is phenomenal. Okay. So please do that if and when you can. I will always state that the message I bring you today isn't entertainment, nor is it baseless guesses or remote possibilities. Most of what I deliver on these shows is in-your-face reality, recorded facts, or an inevitability depending on our course of action. We know theirs. really haven't got a good 
I don't know, handhold on what our course of action is. And I think it's about time we started to develop something that is usable. Okay, going forward, the title of the show today is When Your Children Aren't. Did you hear what I said? When Your Children Aren't. We will break that down for you. Okay, and it won't even be hard to do. As usual, links to applicable references and articles are always included in an article containing this archive show, which is published tomorrow, Monday, on the LibertyBeacon.com, where you will see this embedded show. You will see an article written by my guest, and you will also see an article written by Roger. And we will take this down to the fine talking points. But let's get through an intro here so I can bring my guests in. Again, the show title is When Your Children Aren't. First off, why would any government wish to divide the family unit by turning your children against you and even using their education school as the mechanism of division? Anybody out there who says that's not happening, have you been hiding in a hole somewhere? Why are they doing it? Maximum chaos. And anybody who thinks I'm kidding, do a little research. Today, if your minor child, especially in America, wants to be a different sex than the one they are born with, they can, regardless of what the parent wishes. And if the parent doesn't wish, the child can be taken away from the parents and allow them to have an operation that we already know destroys the lives of a vast majority of those who have them. Today, we live in a world where our children can now dictate what they will and won't do and use the threat of reporting you to the social worker at school as leverage. No, I'm not joking. And how many of you have read stories like this? None of this is an exaggeration. And the mechanisms of division are far more embedded in many countries than we would even consider. That is until we suffer what the world suffers today. So let's set the stage with a little intro from my guest for today's show, who I will be inviting in momentarily. And we will get a full view of what is referred to as Mental Capacity Act, M-C-A. This is the tyranny being suffered in the United Kingdom. So Christina is, and yes, <laughs> I, I, I gave this away, but yes, Christina England is my guest today. She does live in England. She has been writing articles for the Liberty Beacon Project for over a dozen years. She is a published author and she has helped to write books. She is sought for radio shows and discussions all over the planet. And if you want to know about vaccines and other issues along that line, this is the lady to talk to. This is what she gave me. And yes, she's listening. She's sitting there calmly waiting for me to invite her in. This is what she sent me to open the show today. It's titled Mother of an Autistic Adult Stripped of Her Rights by Doctors as He Lay Dying. A few weeks ago, I wrote an article on the Mental Capacity Act, MCA. I explained that in theory, the act made perfect sense because it implemented, if implemented correctly, it enabled those 
with a head injury, brain damage, or dementia to make decisions and choices for themselves. On the flip side, however, if used incorrectly, this act can be extremely dangerous. This is because it has the potential to completely destroy the lives of family and loved ones. In my article, and that article, this is Roger talking, will be included tomorrow. It will be embedded in the article with this show embedded in it. In my article, I describe what happened to one mother who found herself fighting not only the system, but the hospital and her son's disabled girlfriend shortly after her son suffered a second and this time catastrophic bleed of the brain. This was because unbeknown to her, her disabled son and his disabled girlfriend had signed a document whilst he was in the hospital to say that after his forthcoming brain surgery, which sadly never went ahead, he wanted his girlfriend to be there and not his mother. Remember, this is a special needs child. Okay, he grew up that way. When he woke up from the surgery, in other words, he wanted his girlfriend there, not his mother. Sadly, her son's operation never took place because he suddenly and unexpectedly had a second bleed to the brain. And because they had signed this document, doctors decided to completely adhere to his wishes and give all control to his disabled girlfriend. They decided that it was her son's, it was in her son's best interest to take all of his mother's rights away completely And in doing so, she found herself powerless to even be with her son whilst he lay dying in a coma. Now, I'm going to tell you what we see going on in America. Yes. Does it rival this? Yes, it does. But how many of you knew this existed in Great Britain? And how many of you know exactly how far this bleeds into the society? Well, I'm going to bring in an expert right now who can not only give us a little bit more information may surprise the hell out of you. Christina, you are one of my favorite people on the entire planet. We have been friends for a dozen years. You are a a person I am very proud to say welcome to my show. Hello, Roger, and hello, everybody. It's lovely to be here again. What I would like you to do is start out by explaining, because that was phenomenal, That intro you sent me, the one I just read, that was phenomenal. I understand you've got some information you would like to put out. So how about I just shut up for a few minutes and you tell people what the actual story is and what you want them to know. Then you and I will go through a few talking points after you've gotten the basic facts out. Right. It's a long story, really, but um, the the Mental Capacity Act empowers those that are disabled, those that have had a head injury or a stroke or are able to make some choices, but not others. They've got disabilities one way or another, whether that is through a stroke, whether it's through a head injury, whether they were born that way or like some autistic um, they can make choices and they should make choices. And this, this um, Mental Capacity Act um, allows them to do that. However, these, this originally was brought in, in, in about, I think it was, it, it was recently brought in. It was about 2005 it was brought in. And um, 
it was brought in to empower people to be able to make choices like whether to go to the shops or not, whether to what dress to wear, what what you know time they want to go to bed. These choices, which let's face it, everybody has the right to make that choice if they so wish and if they are able to. However, the the act has been being used very badly. It's being used incorrectly. And how do I know this? Because that story that Roger read out, and I don't know if I'll be, end up crying during the show, I might. You probably will. It's, it's my actual own story. And the the actual child that died was my son, Daniel. Um, so it's a very, very strong thing that I want to speak about today. And it's gonna, it's very difficult for me to speak about this because this only happens in November. But... Um, as Roger so rightly said in my article, I wrote about the, the Mental Capacity Act, and I do believe it's a good act. I do believe that if used correctly, it's an excellent act and it should be used. However, doctors, um, schools, um, social workers are using this act incorrectly. And how it was worked in my son's case was um, the girlfriend well, to start with, he had a, he had a, his first brain hemorrhage. He was out. He, in my first article, I did explain right. a little bit, but he was out uh, with his girlfriend. Um, I had to sugarcoat it and I had to uh, make up and change um, details and information so that I didn't give the game away. I'm not going to give the girlfriend's name away and I'm not going to give my – well, I've just given my son's name away, but everybody knows my son, Daniel. Um, yeah. He's been big part of a lot of the things that I've done. He's been to all the conferences that I've done. He's been there to help me and to encourage me when I speak. And he's been there right through the books. And he's mentioned in one of the books as well. So, yes, he's been a big part of my life. And he's, he's a very big loss to me. However, um, he went to, he went out with his friend, his girlfriend, and they spent the day together. Um, and she phoned me up. In during the evening and said that, that Daniel had had a headache and he was acting very strangely and she didn't know why he couldn't speak properly. So I said, well, what do you mean? You know, what do you mean? So he said, she said, well, I'll put him on the line for you and see if you can make sense of anything he says. So I spoke to him and I couldn't make any sense of anything he said. So I said to her, phone an ambulance now. I'll meet you at the hospital. So unbeknown to me i was waiting for a call from the doctors or whatever to let me know that my son had arrived at the hospital however it went on and it went on i didn't hear from anybody so i thought perhaps they decide perhaps he he got a little bit better and he was alive so i left it because i didn't want to keep bothering everybody so i left it and then i don't know he then i got a message about an hour to it was about two hours later to say that um, my, he'd arrived at the pantomime because my son was in the theatricals and did all a lot of theatre work. He'd arrived at the pantomime um, rehearsals, but they it was a very complicated message because they said that he wasn't speaking properly, he couldn't stand up, and they were very worried about him. And should they phone an ambulance or should they bring him home? So I said, no, phone an ambulance. Will somebody out there please phone an ambulance? I'm going to the hospital now. So I, I got got ready. I, I sort of told Nick, because it was late at night, I told Nick that I was going to the hospital and Daniel wasn't very well. And I decided that I would just get, get up, 
go get and get a taxi and go. So I got a taxi. Well, by the time I'd got there, his girlfriend had got there before me. Now she told everybody that she was his next of kin and I wasn't, that I wasn't his next of kin, she was. And I put the doctors right and said, no, actually, I'm the next of kin and she's just his girlfriend. I mean, she'd only been with him for about seven months or so. So anyway, I said, well, I'm not happy about this. I'm really not happy about any of this. You know, I asked her to phone an ambulance two hours ago and I said, and he's only just been called. And I said, look at the state of him. I mean, he was, he was blabby. He was really... Oh. Um, incoherent I couldn't understand a word he was saying a bit like probably me at the moment but yeah I couldn't understand no, a word. Fine. I couldn't you're understand doing... a word he was saying and he looked really out of it so they rushed him off to a brain scan with his girlfriend in tow and um she yeah she said I'm his girlfriend I'm his girlfriend oh, God, I can't do this at all she's autistic as well so I, I thought off. I'll wait back and I'll wait back let her go to the scanning room because I know they won't let them in because they're not allowed to go in the scanning room so I waited for him to have the head scan and they came back fortunately the doctors decided to come to me and tell me what was wrong first uh, which I was quite surprised at actually given the hospital I was in <laughs> um, it's got big memories a lot of memories for me anyway so he came back and they said that they, they found a bleed on the brain and that he was being transferred to another hospital, which is the specialist hospital for immediate brain surgery. And they said that they didn't really understand quite why he should have a bleed that bad at that age. And, you know, anyway, she started ranting and raving the, the girlfriend and saying, I knew that I couldn't leave Nikki any longer. And I couldn't go to, with him in the ambulance to the hospital because they said well, they'd like somebody in the ambulance with him. So I thought, well, I can't go with him because I've got to go back to Nick to let him know and get him up to school because otherwise no, there's nobody there at home. And I've left, you know, a, a very severely autistic child at home on his own um, with nobody really knowing because it was in the middle of the night. So because I couldn't get hold of anybody, I tried everybody and I couldn't get hold of anybody. So I left him. He, I, he was quite safe. It was locked up, but he was quite safe. But I knew that he knew how to undo the door and everything. So I wasn't worried about that. So anyway, I rushed back, got, got a car. Well, actually, the mother, her mother, because her mother turned up on the ski, see, uh, scene, she, she took me home which was very nice of her. And um, I left the girlfriend to go off to the, the other hospital. Well, when I got to the hospital, the second hospital, after I'd got Nicky up and sorted him out, um, when I got to the second hospital, he was in a ward. And the girlfriend was, she came down and she met me at the door because I'd said I'd got there. She met me at the door and she was, you know, literally took over. She sort of, pushed me out of the way, pushed herself in the front, you know, and she said, I'm, I'm his girlfriend and this is, this is a, the mother. <laughs> and she did, you know, it was quite detrimental to me. And she sat by him and was wailing all over him. I thought, I don't know how long I can stand this for, but I carried on. Anyway, eventually it got to sort of mid-morning and she was still there they hadn't been able to get rid of her all night. She'd been in the hospital, in the ward all night, and they said they tried to get rid of her, but they couldn't get rid of her. She was absolutely impossible. She just screamed and yelled. They said she could go to the relatives' uh, relatives' flat, but they wouldn't have. She wouldn't have that. No, no, no. I'm autistic. I can't be left on my own. I can't be left without my carer. 
and she managed to get there without a care but anyway so um she's a, a little bit of a drama queen and also she's a, one that puts on everything um which i'll explain later anyway so eventually um I got her to leave the hospital. I got her in a taxi and said, no, you've got to go. You've got, you've been there long enough. You leave it to me and come back later. Have a wash. Go home, have a shower, have some breakfast, and I'll see you later. Anyway, in between that, um, I, they, they said to me that I could go home. So I went home, and in between, they said to me, Daniel's got to have immediate brain surgery. He's dropped unconscious completely now, and he's now not able to breathe. So we put him into an induced coma, and we've got the breathing machines doing the breathing for him, and he's got to go in for surgery. And they explained to me that he'd had an AVM, which is the only way I can really describe it. Is It's an abnormal mass of... Um, blood vessels and and it, they tie themselves around his his own blood vessels and his arteries in his brain and they they starve the brain of oxygen and this this had bled and that's what caused the stroke that he'd had or the bleed on the brain that he had so anyway we got got through that anyway i managed to when once he was in i got back into the icu with him after he'd had the surgery and they explained to me that they'd taken a piece of his skull and put it on his stomach to keep the skull alive. And they would put that back on in about three weeks. But, you know, he'd be in the ICU until he could communicate. But they were taking the breathing tubes out the next day. So I told them that the girlfriend was very dangerous. I didn't want her around while Daniel was in, in the in the in the coma i didn't want him her in the icu there was there anything i could do about it to stop her because i knew she'd be back so they said well i said she takes over she she also she runs around using all the nurse's equipment and everything and uses this takes this moves this and it's really quite dangerous in an icu so i said i don't want i don't want her to be around him too too much so i said um can you know so they said there's no problem we'll put we'll put a um um, a password on the door for him so I put the password in place so that nobody nobody other than family could get in without the password anyway this um, caused her to go into absolute overload screaming yelling reporting me she was doing everything she could to get into the hospital and I was doing everything I could to keep her out of the hospital while he was in a coma because I, I, a, I didn't really know what she what she understood and what she didn't understand because she's autistic. And also I didn't want her to see him in that state, um, bearing in mind it wasn't a very nice, nice sight to see. Um, it was absolutely horrible. So anyway, um, I managed to keep her out for the week. Um, but she was saying the most dreadful things on the internet about me. Um, I'd, I'd literally blocked her where I could, but she was doing everything, coming in every angle. She was getting all her relatives to phone me on different phones to try and make me let, let them lem in. And oh, it was, it was absolute nightmare. Um, the hospital said they'd never seen anything like it. So anyway, we got back to the next hospital because Daniel eventually did get better bit better he got so that he was talking he understood he was doing yeah he was he was quite coherent oh it's about about 
two days later. Anyway, he, he was quite coherent. He stayed there for about a week, but then he was moved back to the original hospital. Now, the danger with the original hospital is that uh, she has a doctor that works on the stroke stroke unit where Daniel was going to go into on the stroke ward. Um, Christina, who, Christina, yes? I yeah? apologize. I need to jump in here because we're about to go to a break. That's so you've got about 30 seconds if you would like to reach a point where you would like to stop and then we'll pick it up on the other side. Okay. Yes, the, the doctor on the ward anyway was her, her actual uncle and she had nurses upstairs that were her cousins and her, her aunts. So um, I'll leave it there and okay. I'll, I'll explain what went on after that. Well, again, um, in, I, I can't time exactly when the commercial is going to come in, but what I'm seeing, what you have told us so far, okay, is that a lot of this was between your son and his girlfriend, and you knew very little. So a lot of this was very surprising to you until you actually saw her actions. Is that correct? Yes. The Mental Capacity Act came in a few days later when he okay. got back to the other hospital, the second, the first hospital. All right, and let's leave it right there. <laughs> that's perfect, because that's exactly what we need to talk about when we come back. Thank you, Christina. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls, plus testing for heavy metals, makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from Simply Clean Foods, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on Long-Term Food Storage in the Rotating Sponsors banners to support RBN. Simply Clean Foods. Do it today. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. Email ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com 
and let them know that RBN sent you. People who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs. For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. Hemppaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash rbn. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBtalk.com and join the social media revolution. Let me tell everybody out there, the one thing nobody ever usually accuses Roger of is silence. But (laughs) let's take this just a little bit further, because in the first half hour, Christina has come in and explained the situation. And this is the first time um, the TLB audience has um, understood the fact that this was actually Christina's son. And what we were about to get into, and I'll pass this over to Christina in a second here, what we were about to get into was where does the Mental Capacity Act come in here? And this was basically what we started this entire show about, is when our children aren't. So, Christina, the Mental Capacity Act, how does it fit in, and what were the results here? Well, it was brought in, in the, during his, when he went back to the first hospital um, because, as unbeknown to me, her the uncle was the doctor there on the ward. So um, that was, he obviously knew about the Mental Capacity Act and Daniel was finding it very difficult, but her family was always around her and I, I was literally on my own or with my friend, but other than that, I was on my own. So um, Daniel was deciding that he didn't want to see me all the time. He, he he started off with the mobile phone because I had the mobile phone when he left the other hospital. I took it, put it in my bag, 
Um, and I had the mobile phone but lost the charger. So I was trying to get a new charger for the mobile phone. Anyway, he was demanding the mobile phone and the doctor said, um, he's got mental full mental capacity. He has a right to have the do- have the phone, and you know you, you have no right to take the phone away from him. I said, well, I must remind you, it is a stroke unit. It is a, you know, and people here shouldn't have mobile phones all over the place all the time. But the whole ward was geared up with all a. Uh, um, Wi-Fi and it had um, everybody had a tablet and it was it was literally I thought it was it was a very dangerous situation for somebody that had had a, a bleed on the brain but there you go that's how it is in the, the hospitals these days everybody yes. has to be attached to a tablet and you know they all have to have Wi-Fi and be able to do exactly what they want when they want so anyway I bought the phone and it's probably because- all 5G too right Yes, it was, yes. So, yeah, so anyway, I I brought the phone back in and I gave it to Daniel and um, immediately I was was hardly even had spoken to Daniel when his phone was, his fingers were tapping it trying to get this girlfriend on the phone and that was the reason I hadn't given him the phone back to be honest. But, you know, anyway, I knew that he he had the right to to, speak to his girlfriend if that's what he wanted. Anyway, uh, unbeknown to me also, the doctor had um, given a video call with the girlfriend on the tablet anyway, so I I was being pushed out. Anyway, it came to the point where I was only allowed in once a week to see Daniel because the girlfriend, he said the name, the girlfriend was always in the picture. She was always there. When he, when I, she was there, he didn't want me around. So we arranged it. That I went once a week, but we spoke on the phone every day and we chatted. And, and I had I kept up to date with everything that was going on. And anything that was going on with medically, they did inform me about at that point. However, anyway, it went on and it went on. And he, he was due to come out and he was due to be... You know, he was due to come home, but I said I didn't feel very comfortable with him coming home with a piece of skull on his on his stomach still because they hadn't put it back on his head because he, he, the brain was still swelling. And I said I didn't feel very comfortable and I prefer him to go into a residential unit, which I did. And I felt that he – Daniel was the type that was very – he would he'd be belligerent he'd be very difficult he's autistic he if he wanted to do something there was very little i could do to stop him doing it and um anyway she was talking about how old how old was so do people have a perspective here? Oh, he how was, old was he, he was and how big is he he was 37 and he was six foot two and i okay that's a perspective now Yes. I am very tiny, he, and he had yes, muscles. He had muscles. <laughs> I am. I'm very small. So anyway, I'm about five foot three. So the comparison is quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and when you've got this person towering, yeah, it is a threat. Anyway, he said he came in. He said to me, "I want her to be there when I come round for my operation." So I said, "Well, that that's absolutely fine, Daniel. I understand that, but I want to be there. I should be there." see you come round and she can come in at that point and he said no I want her there and I know that I can and I I said well Daniel I am your next of kin and he said doesn't matter mum because I can have anybody I want for a next of kin because they've told me I can so I said who told you that who told you and he said he said the the hospital he said I know I've seen me I've seen it in writing so I said to him, well, I, I've never heard of anything like this. I said, because I know that you could only have one next of kin. 
And he said, well, you're wrong. Anyway, so he went off, and I never got to ask him about anything further because, I mean, he, they kept, he kept saying he wanted to get married to her, and he was, she was the one. Well, I'd heard this four or five times that everyone was the one. The one before that, well, his, his, it, that one was still, uh, you know, he was still in love with her. But anyway, it, it, it got to a point where I went home that day very confused, not sure what he'd seen, but I was thinking, I, I, when, it, when it, the mental capacity kept going through my mind, because he's got full mental capacity, and he said that, he said, they say I've got more full mental capacity, I could do what I like, I can make my own choices, I don't need you anymore. So I said, okay. So I went back, and I never got to ask him, because that night he actually had a catastrophic bleed, and it, it it turned out it was a fatal bleed in the end. But and he went back into an, another intensive care in that hospital. And I was told, I was phoned up by the ward, but of course I, I didn't have my phone on it. I had it on charge. Uh, he was coming home. I wasn't worried. He was coming out. Everything was okay. He was doing exceptionally well. He was doing everything that he was doing before. And he was he was ready to be released. So anyway, I got this barrage of contacts in the morning to say that something had happened to Daniel in the night and all from Sophie screaming and yelling at me, will you listen, will you pick up this phone? Go on and on like this. So anyway, I phoned, phoned up and said, what the heck is going on? So she said, he's, he's near to death. They say he's only got a few hours to live. And I said, well, how do you know? So he, she said, because I'm here with him. I thought, oh, that figures. So anyway, so I, I, she told me what hospital to go to. Only she didn't. She told me the wrong hospital. So I went 50 miles out of my way oh. in a taxi to another hospital, miles and miles away where they'd been before. And he wasn't. He was in the hospital that she was in. She was sitting there with him. Anyway, when I got to the hospital, she literally, she flew downstairs. She came in. She said to me, we're getting married. We're getting, I'm getting engaged. We're getting married. I said, well, hold on a minute. I've just been told he's in a coma. So, you know, I don't know how you're getting married. I can do it. I can do it. They say I can do it. I was like, oh, just go away, please. Just let me get to my son. Now, she went the back way. I went the way I knew to the, to the ITU. But I didn't know there was a back way. So she beat me to it. So she was there. So as I got to my son, they showed me through and I got to my son. She's literally laying on the bed, clinging to my son while he's on life support and screaming and yelling. And I'm not letting him go. I promised. I promised. Anyway, I said to, I said to the nurse, I can't stand this. I can't do this. So I said, when she's gone, when you finally get off the off my son, I'll come back in. So anyway, they, they took me out. They said, well, let's, let's give you a cup of tea and sit you down. It took them four and a half hours to get her out of that room, get her out of that, that, that ITU. She was screaming. We could hear her all down the corridor and everything else. And I said to the nurse, is it about time you got security? And they, she said, well, we have to be very careful in cases like this. I said, look, he's my son. I'm next of kin and I'm his mother. And I'd really like to see him while he's still here. So she said to me, OK, but anyway, four and a half hours it took them to get her out. And the whole of the time that Daniel was in the ITU, which was about four days, 
before he he was had the machines turned off. Um, I was only allowed to see him one hour a day, and she was allowed to sleep in his bed with him as he lay dying. And I was pushed right out of the picture. And this is all because of the Mental Capacity Act, which they'd signed on the ward, which I didn't know anything about. But this Wait a minute, wait a minute. Your son, your son and his girlfriend signed a document giving her your... Yeah, full um, right okay. over his... Yeah, okay. Not only that, she was not allowing anybody else to go yeah. on. Only, only her... And everybody that tried to see Daniel, all his friends and that, that wanted to see him, they she wouldn't let. And she'd only she had his phone, she stole his phone, so I couldn't get hold of any of his friends. And she she took me off the internet, so I couldn't get into into his site. So I didn't know what was happening. But I was only allowed one hour a day for those last da- days that he was dying. He lay dying, and she was clinging onto him and allowed to sleep in his bed with him. And I could do nothing about it whatsoever because of the Mental Capacity Act, which he had signed saying that he wanted her there when she was in a, having when he'd come round from surgery. And what I, what I wanted to explain to people, because I got this off in my first article I wrote this, is the fact that the Mental Capacity Act continued part of the says it's vital to consult with others for their views about the person's best interest. Now, I wasn't consulted. Anyone previously, they went on about who to consult, anyone previously named by the individual. Now, Daniel had named me categorically several times to them, saying that if any, he had any tests, that I was to be informed, which I was. So they knew that I'd been previously named by the individual. Anyone engaged in caring for them, well, I was his sole carer, and he lived at home. So nobody else had cared for him. Only she had told them that she had been his carer. But she hadn't been his carer at all. I was. He lived at home, and I could prove that. Close relatives and friends. Now, I'm his mother. How close can you get to that? But I was not informed about this act, and I was not informed about his wishes. Daniel told me that he wanted his girlfriend there, but he didn't say that if I should go into a coma and have another bleed and lay close to death, I don't want you around, did he? (laughs) So uh, it was taken completely out of context. The hospital used it incorrectly and made it so that I hardly had any choices. I couldn't make choices i couldn't speak i couldn't speak to people i couldn't be there for my son as he lay dying i couldn't be there i wasn't allowed i I was pushed out i not only understand this and i appreciate the fact again that you come onto a show with me to tell the world about this christina i have always had it's wrong i know that's my point i have always had so much respect for you because it doesn't matter to you about repercussions. You've been talking about vaccines for how long? Does that make you very popular in most circles? No, it doesn't. Does it need to be be done? Hell yes. I'm probably the only other person I know of who's been writing vaccine articles even close to as long as you have. And I started it because of you. You're the one who taught me why vaccines were not the best thing on the planet. So when you come onto a show All right. TLB, 
Talk Radio, and you tell the world about this. I have said so many times, Christina, that our children are being turned against us. If you wish to bring a society to its knees, the first thing you must destroy is the family unit. And this is exactly what's being accomplished. I don't know. You've heard about this, Christina, but let me get this in real quick. How many parents today are afraid every time their kids walk in the house from school, their kid's not going to look at them and say, hey, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. And then my guidance counselor told me, if you say no, all I got to do is go back and tell them they'll make sure I can do it. And you may end up in jail, but I won't be living here anymore. So what do you got to say? We are living in a world today where our children are being given propriety over their parents and i'm mm. not joking am i christina no you're not i mean it got to a point where they were deciding to turn the machines off and they did ask my what if i what i wanted and they said there was no viable life they weren't lying i knew because i'd, I'd They'd spoken to me in length about exactly what the bleed was and the fact that they thought he actually had a tumour. They weren't sure, but they had thought they could see a tumour on the brain as well. And um, they weren't sure if that it was that or the AVM that they were actually seeing. So anyway, um, they'd done other scans and things, and this is what they were coming up. They said that he had no viable life, that if he did come to, he would be much the same as I could see him Pretty much there. brain dead, yeah. He could, he could breathe, but that was about it. And, he, and that was – that was. But he only breathed for about half a day, and then they had to put the machine back on again anyway at that point because they said that um, the carbon monoxide levels had gone all funny so that they said they had to put it back on. Um, she was convinced he was going to live and this, that, the other. And anyway, um, but we could see that he was dropping down, dropping dead. You know, he was, he was losing life. Um, what happened was my brother came over from the States and like me, he was told when he could come in and when he couldn't come in. And um, he'd come all the way from the US and to the UK to be with me. And he was there. I mean, but he was only coming in for the hour a day. I just said to him, it's much easier if we only go in for the hour a day because otherwise we're going to have her screaming and yelling and creating and it's going to be hell. So we only had her for that time. Uh, only ha- uh, He only was able to see him for that time with me. Anyway, when they decided to turn the machines off, they asked me and I said, I really feel that, yeah. I can see that he's he's he is losing life. I can see that he's getting weaker and weaker. I can see that he's clammy, he's white, he's very, very cold, he's always hands were cold and clammy. And I said, I don't think it's worth carrying on this. I said, because we've we've had it on seventy two hours and which was the, the time scale they said. And I said, no. and he ha- isn't improving. You took the machines no. off. There was no signs of any kind of Daniel being there. So I said, take the machines off. Um, so when they were going to do that, I said, just one thing, Daniel's an organ donor. And so they said, well, in that case, we'd better get you know, all the forms signed and everything. Anyway, so um, she did agree that the machine was to turn off and she did agree that he could be an organ donor even though that it was really my decision anyway. And it was Daniel's decision because he'd made it when he was four. So I knew that he wanted to be an organ donor. Um, he'd, he'd got the little card and that. So anyway, so she obviously knew that as well, and it, it went ahead. So we filled in all the forms, 
But guess what? So did she. Ah. And yeah, she'd only been with him seven seven months, and I'd been with him thirty three years, and. She was still allowed to have to sign the forms and had to have it all. She also got the donor blanket, which the family's supposed to get. I didn't. I wasn't given one. He, he, she, that one was given to her. And that being what had been man Daniel. So I didn't get that. I didn't get the memory box. She got the memory box. She stole every single thing. When she left the hospital, she stole everything out of his room. So I didn't get any of the last memories with him at all. None of it. Um, the transplant team were absolutely second to none. She was the one that went down with Daniel holding his hand when he went into the to the operating theatre to have all the machines turned off and to go to have the organs taken. I was invited and I did go, but I was only allowed to go behind. The, the um, pastor held my hand um, because she started wailing and screaming and that. Anyway, and then she said, could, could, during this time, she'd put an engagement ring on him. He, he couldn't answer her or anything else, but she, he, he had an engagement ring on her. It was plastic, but it was an engagement ring, or she said it was an engagement ring. So she said, is it okay with his mother if, she, if he keeps his, his engagement ring on? I said, do whatever you like, love. I don't care at this stage. <laughs> so I'm uh, I, I have a question and yeah. I I don't know if this is ever if anybody's aware of this and if you're not comfortable with it tell me your two sons where where is there a story behind them that I don't know I really don't I, I just don't know what 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 it was no I, I I I don't know what I'm saying is if they're your natural children if they're adopted i don't know no no my sons and my sons have actually adopted both of that them. I, I suspected that because i thought you said that like 10 or 12 years ago but i wasn't really sure so i needed to ask that we're getting close to the end and i so, want yeah, to tell that's the point i wanted to make as well because Good. He was adopted. thank you because you probably you're probably thinking the same as me i'd made those i'd made the promises to be with him and to love him and to look after yes. him for the rest of his life i did it in front of a judge did she she might have signed a silly doctor silly document with with her uncle as a doctor with him yeah fine anybody can do that but I'd, I'd gone in front of a judge and said i'd look after him and i promised i'd I, be there and everything else i i not only agree with you but i want everybody to hear something i've known this lady for a very long time she's a very good friend of mine let me explain something to everybody listening not only did she adopt two special needs children and raise them in a loving family. But any dog that's about to be put to sleep in her neighborhood because nobody will take care of it. She takes it in. She has operations for them. If they need it. She feeds them. She takes care of them. What do you got? Eight or nine dogs. This lady has more <laughs> compassion than anybody I've ever met in my life. And to hear this story from you, Christina, I'm crying. It's heartbreaking. It is. I mean, I can't tell you how much I miss him. I can't tell you how how he, this has affected me really badly. I still can't I get tell. his things back. I still can't get any of his things back. I, I've reported it to the police. I've got a crime number, but they said they can't do anything because he's the victim and he's dead. <laughs> so, and because the act says that that they signed says that she's in charge, not you. 
Yeah, exactly. But she's got mental disabilities. So really, they're giving all the rights to his care and his choices about what should be done and what shouldn't be done, who can go and see him, who can't go and see him, all to a disabled girl. And that is absolutely fine because two disabled people made the choice. Inverted commas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is sickening and it's heartbreaking. And to watch my son fade away in front of me, I couldn't watch the last minutes. She stayed there until the bitter end, but she, I didn't care. But she, uh, I came away. Um, I have got a donor blanket now because the team got me one eventually and they were very, very nice. The team have phoned me up. His heart, liver and kidneys were used and have been transplanted. So Daniel lives on. Um, Very nice. But she got the letters the same as me. Um, She got got the, the little gold badge to say that, you know, he was a donor, same as me. Yeah, she was treated... Like a queen, and I was t- treated like a piece of shit or a piece of poo on bottom of Well, no, no, that's fine. Issue. Don't worry, Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Look, we're, we're, we're about to roll off here, okay? Yeah. But I want, again, everybody to understand why I asked you to come in and tell this story today. If you look at what's going on in America, it's just as bad. It's just called something else. If you look at the UK, we can see it now. If you look at just about any country in what we call the Western world or the first world, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's there everywhere. They're doing it. I've got two or three other cases that have come to me, which I will be writing about. I have got permission to write about these, uh, where they've used the Mental Capacity Act in a different way to steal their children. Right. And we've got about a minute and a half. And what I want everybody to take away from this, okay, again, tomorrow, please go to the Liberty Beacon anytime after 12 Central. This show will be there, and it will be embedded in the article that Christina wrote a couple of weeks ago. It will also have the lead-in to the show today, and it will have the show embedded there. This is something y'all should take a look at. Christina, thank you very much for being here. It's okay. Thank you very much. Sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. 
Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBtalk.com and join the social media revolution. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Truth, truth.